think my guitar's a little out of tune, which is kind of on par for me. Um, <laughs> the real worship leader will be back next week. Um, I put some new strings on this guitar not too long ago. And uh, strings, are, of course, are important. They're the part of the instrument that makes the musical sounds, if you know what you're doing. And uh, the strings, of course, they come in a pack. They're no good in the pack. You have to put them on an instrument. But they're no good when you put them on an instrument until you get some tension on them. So, I mean, I'm looking at mine here. And I'm a little flat there. You've got to have the right tension on these strings before it'll make the right sound. Did you know that the amount of tension that is on guitar strings weighs as much as a, as a full-grown human being? Maybe not a big human being, but a full-grown human being. It's a lot of tension. It's a lot of strain on the guitar. A lot of strain on those strings. And if, you don't, if the strings don't bear that burden... There's no music. And when you put a new set of strings on there, uh, you would think, okay, great, a new set of strings, tune them up. But no, a new set of strings, they're not ready to make good music. Uh, new strings, they, they're kind of tinny, and they're shrill, and they're harsh, and they don't sound right. So you put a new set of strings on a guitar, and then you have to put even more tension on it. You have to over-tighten it. You have to play that thing hard, until it sounds right. It, it doesn't sound right until those strings have been stretched and then they've been broken in and you almost have to put them through a little abuse before they sound nice and pretty. Because they don't sound good when you first put them on. So you and I are kind of like guitar strings. I want to switch over to the different mic here. We're kind of like these guitar strings. We feel like we've got a little too much tension on us. How about you? I feel that. Somebody asked me how I was doing. And I said, I feel like I'm burning the candle at both ends and a little bit in the middle. And I said, do I look like I've been doing that? And they said, yes. <laughs> and, then, you know, hey, I got a mirror. I know what's up. I know what's up. So it's, it's, been, it's been a busy year for us, absolutely. A lot of things happening, a lot of things going on. And that tension is, is no fun. Um, we, we feel like we've got a lot of, atten of tension on us. And it, does it ever feel like life is picking you up and playing you a little too hard? Stretching you? It's uncomfortable and we don't like it. We don't want to do that. But when it doesn't feel fair... When you're going through trials, when you're being stretched, when it almost feels like you're being abused by life, remember the things that break us down, God uses them to break us in. And the most broken lives make the most beautiful music. So I want to I talk to you about something that Jesus said. And he, he gave us a heads up that life was going to be hard and we're going to get stretched and it's not going to be easy. I realize people have a concept of Christianity that, oh, you just follow Jesus, you just pray this prayer, and now you don't have any more problems. But that is not what the New Testament actually teaches. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus told us, he said, in the world you will have trouble, but I'll give you peace. God will bring good from the things that 
test us and try us. Our trials will end in good if we trust him. We're in Mark chapter 9, verses 49 and 50. So Jesus talks about two things here, salt and fire. Salt and fire uses the idea to teach us how the fiery trials we go through will purify our faith and how we have a calling to be salt in this world, a a, a positive influence by the way we live. So you guys know me, I always kind of like to have like a short punchy phrase to make it memorable because people don't memorize long pieces of information. They kind of, we get it in small chunks and advertisers know this and we can sort of figure that out because if, I bet you can answer this, ba 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 I'm loving it. Some of you don't even like McDonald's, but you know the jingle. It's just quick. Okay, so here's the jingle for the day. Here it is. You ready? I think I got that on the slide. Tribulation is transformation. Integrity is influence. So you get a double dip this week. Tribulation is transformation. Integrity is influence. If you're a writer-downer kind of person, that would be a thing to write down or make a note of. Tribulation is transformation. Integrity is influence. That's what the message is about. So let's go to Mark chapter 9, verses 49 and 50. Interesting passage here. For everyone will be seasoned with fire... And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. I want to pray for us there. Heavenly Father, please help us to understand what you mean by these words and give us encouragement through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Salt and fire. Sounds like somebody's grilling. I like I love stuff off the grill, except in this particular case, um, we are the ones that are feeling the heat. We we're the ones that are getting flame kissed. We we are the metaphorical flame kissed all beef patties of life because we're going to be on the grill. Sometimes we're going to get grilled. We're going to go through the fire. So uh, this is this is some good stuff here. We'll take it about at a time. Verse forty nine says. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. There's some translations that don't have the second half of that verse. We're just going to stick right here. This language comes from the temple sacrifices in the Old Testament. The Lord told them, it's easy to miss. I kind of missed this for years and years. The Lord told them when they offer a sacrifice, a grain offering, they were to put salt on it. And he doesn't explain why. Not to my satisfaction. He said every... Every sacrifice should be brought with salt. And, um, Leviticus chapter 2 verse 13 says that it's the salt of the covenant. And he doesn't really explain that as thoroughly as I would like. But we know a covenant is a binding agreement between two parties. So, so we're, we're supposed to, we have a covenant with God to be salt in a sense. So um, what does this verse say when it, means we'll be seasoned with fire salted with fire some translations say every single person will endure trials in life what's the verse say who who will be seasoned with fire what's that word everyone are all people's trials the same some people have it hard some people go through a lot more than others some people look like they have it easy. Some people you look like look at on the outside and it looks like 
everything's just fine, but you don't know what they're going through. I bet there's some people who would look at your life and say, oh man, they got it made. Look at that. It's a pretty easy life. It's not hard at all. There's some people who would look at your life and say that. Could you prove them otherwise? If you sat down with them, you would say, hey, let me tell you, maybe it looks like it's easy, but it's not. It only looks easy because I'm that good. Not really. But we would show them that our lives aren't so easy. We, we just don't know. Never forget that every single person that you meet, every single person you interact with, is dealing with struggles that you can't see. And you know, that's the time, if you know the Lord, to show compassion and mercy and some understanding, the kind of compassion and mercy and understanding you wish people would give you with your struggles. Every human being has struggles and trials and even suffering. Sometimes we suffer because we make bad choices. Y'all know my line. My kids know my famous line. Y'all have heard it enough. Um, Elijah always thinks this is, uh, he loves it when I repeat the same things over and over again. He finds it inspirational, I'm sure. Just like you enjoyed it when your parents told you the same thing over and over again. But the, the, the line is, if you do dumb things... What's, what's the word? Um, I want to hear that one more time. Say it really loud so the people on the podcast can hear. If you do dumb things, dumb things will happen to you. There's, you know, I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. Okay, make a note of that. And when, you, when we go into the t-shirt business, make a note of that. If you do dumb things, dumb things will happen to you. That'll be a bestseller. Or you could put one, if you're more humble, you could say, I did dumb things and dumb things happened to me. Some of the dumb things that happened to you are because, not because you were dumb, but because someone else was dumb. Someone else made bad choices or foolish choices or selfish choices or hurtful choices and you had to pay the price. Is that fair? It is not fair. It's not. Some of the difficulties that come upon us are not because you or anybody else did anything bad. It's just because life is hard. We live on a planet that needs redemption, a planet that is broken by sin, and life is just difficult sometimes. This, car, this, this earth, I've said it before, this earth is like a junk car. You never know when it's going to break down. God's going to restore it someday. It's going to be awesome. He's going to restore it, and it's going to be beautiful. But in the meantime, it's a, it's a junker. This, this world is a, is a beater. It is a lemon, and sometimes bad things are going to happen just because we are on an earth that is messed up. I'm glad the day is coming when it's not going to be that way. Bottom line is, even people who, who don't go looking for trouble sometimes find trouble. Hey, Cheryl, will you grab this door here? Um, sometimes people who, who don't go looking for trouble find trouble. And even sometimes people who believe in God and love God and follow Jesus, they find trouble too now that's not fair is it it is absolutely not fair we think that bad things should only happen to bad people Mm-hmm. amen preacher and we want to decide who's bad and who's good so well bad things should only happen to bad people well, who's a bad person well let me tell you what we will find though is that we don't get to decide that. 
and that God's understanding of what is good and what is bad is different than ours. And Jesus Himself said that only God is good so that no human can be objectively, morally pure. So if we say that bad things should only happen to bad people, we've gotten our wish. Because nobody is objectively truly good. Now, are we good in comparison to other people? Yes, there, yes. some people are much meaner than other people. That's a fact. But there's nobody who's sinless. There's nobody who's pure. There's nobody who deserves a pass because they're so well behaved. That's just not in human nature. And we see it all around us. We, it, it doesn't add up. So no matter who you are, you will endure adversity. Even if you follow Jesus. You might say, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Jesus was supposed to be, you know, follow Jesus, and now I don't have problems anymore. I don't have struggles anymore. That's what the guy on the TV said. That pray this prayer and send in so much money a month, and I won't have any more problems, so what's this about? Jesus never said that. He never said it. So we might ask, why bother following Jesus if we're still going to have problems? Well, I got good news for you. So if anybody's like on the fence about Jesus, like, ah, I think I might follow him, maybe not, I don't know. Here's the, here's the good news. Bad stuff will happen to everybody. Everybody. But when you've got Jesus, it changes. You don't have less bad stuff happen to you necessarily, although you might be making some better decisions and doing less dumb things, and less dumb things will happen to you because you're doing less dumb things. We hope that, but it's no guarantee you won't have a trouble-free life. There's, that's just not there. But here is the fact. If you're a follower of Jesus, and trials come, suffering comes, suffering has meaning. It is not meaningless. It has meaning. The Lord uses it. Trials become teachers to transform you. Pain becomes power. Tribulation becomes transformation. What's one of those key takeaways from this whole message? Tribulation is transformation when you have Jesus. That's the, that's the asterisk there. That's the caveat if you have Jesus in your life, if you're following Jesus. Tribulation is transformation. I love this verse, these couple of verses out of the book of James. James chapter 1. I love the book of James, not just because it's named after my dad, um, but uh, I didn't know you were that old, Dad. Didn't know you were that, James. Pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you're looking good. Looking good for your age. Looking great. Yeah. Um, James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. I love, I love that. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy. What does it say? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, I love that. Try to say that with a straight face. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That sounds like something a crazy person would say. Or a person who sees something that other people don't. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Understand that that phrase perfect and complete, that doesn't mean like moral perfection. It doesn't mean you got everything figured out. It means you are mature in your faith, mature in your thinking. You're no longer a child in your way of seeing the world. Have you ever noticed that nobody gets more upset 
than a spoiled child who suddenly doesn't get their way. Or a spoiled adult, which is way worse. I hope you don't have to deal with any spoiled adults ever. When someone who has not endured anything faces something, they can't handle it. It's the people who've had to struggle who can handle the most. I just bet if you have some people you look up to for their faith, I bet some of the people with the greatest faith that you know are people who've had some of the greatest struggles and trials. Is that fair? How did it get that way? Did they have great faith and then went through great trials? I bet it's the other way around. I bet their faith is so great because of what they've endured. Hear me on this. Adversity is how we learn maturity. The fire of trials refines us. That's an image the Bible uses again and again in the Bible. That trials and tribulations are like a fire that that burns away the impurities. When we go through something incredibly difficult, it can feel like our faith is being burned up. But hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Real faith doesn't get burned up. It's only the stuff that we thought was faith, but it's not. It's that we, we thought we had so much faith, but the faith that we thought we had was the warm and fuzzy feeling when I hear worship songs. You know, uh, it ain't a worship song, but uh, I went to a Virginia Tech um, ball game one time in Castle Coliseum, and they played Inner Sandman, which is not a Jesus song. And I felt that same feeling in my chest, like, ooh, this is, ooh, it's nice. Okay, so that wasn't Graves in the Gardens, it was Enter Sandman, it was Metallica. But a lot of other things can produce the warm and fuzzy feeling. That's not faith. It's nice, it's good, it's great, but it's not faith. It's not the same. Faith is, is not um, religious practice. Faith is not wishful thinking or positive thinking or posting inspirational quotes. It's, it's not the same thing. Those are good things, but those things can burn up. Because you will find some times in life where it is so bad that you can't post any inst- inspirational quotes on social media because it's so hard. And that's the time we'll see what's really there. You see, what we usually find out when we face trials is that we did not have nearly as much faith as we thought we had. We had a bunch of stuff that looked like faith. But when the fire came, mm, it wasn't faith after all. Our faith is like a handful of gold coins and gems, precious gemstones, tossed into a pile of plastic coins and plastic gemstones. And these plastic coins and these plastic gems are pretty convincing from a distance. And you look at the pile and it all looks like it's real. And you can't really tell until the fire comes. And all the fake stuff will burn away. And the only thing that's left is what's real. That's one of the things trials and tribulations do for us. They show us what's really there. Now hear hear this. Everyone will be salted with fire. The fire does not destroy who we are. It destroys who we thought we were. I'm thinking of that one. The fire does not destroy who we are. It destroys who we were pretending to be. 
when you're facing struggles and adversity and suffering, don't assume that God doesn't care. And don't even assume that God's punishing you because you really don't know what God is up to a lot of the time. Jesus and the apostles, were they greatly favored by God? Absolutely. Did they greatly suffer? Yes, they did. All of them died a tragic death, except for maybe John, who might have lived to die of old age. But all the rest of them were martyred, including Jesus. And they were greatly loved by God. Jesus came not necessarily to eliminate all suffering on earth. He will take care of that eventually. But he came to redeem our suffering here and now. Suffering and struggle is part of the human experience. But with Jesus, it can be the catalyst for growth and maturity. Jesus said this in John 16, I love this verse. Love it, love it, love it. Make a note of this and read it sometime when you're discouraged. These things I have spoken to you that... In me you may have peace. In the world you, what's that word? Will. Not might. Not maybe. Not only if you're a bad person. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Ooh, ooh, good stuff. I have overcome the world, he says. Praise God, Jesus has overcome the world. Yes, we will endure temptation and trials. But we will overcome all that the world throws at us tribulation is transformation with jesus with jesus it only burns away what was never real in the first place verse 50 salt is good where's my salt lovers nobody said amen to that salt is good i love salt but if the salt loses its flavor, how do you season it? Salt is pretty cheap these days. How much is like some salt? A couple bucks? Can you still get like a can of salt for a couple dollars? Inflation is wild right now. So I don't know. A couple dollars for a can of salt. It's not that expensive. Um, not that hard to get. In the times when Jesus lived, salt was much more valuable. Salt was so valuable and expensive that... Part of Roman soldiers' wages were paid in salt sometimes. They were given an allowance of salt, and that was part of their compensation. That's where we get the word salary from. It means salt money. That's what it literally means, salary. That's where it came from. Because in the ancient world, salt was money. In that part of the world, why is it, why? Why is it so valuable? Then? Well, there was no refrigeration in that part of the world no refrigeration the only way you're going to preserve some food is to salt it real good salt was indispensable as a preservative it was indispensable as a flavoring there were not quite as many options in those days so preservative flavoring salt was very valuable jesus said that his followers were to be the salt of the earth you heard that that's a good line. We still use that today. So, oh, that person over there, he's the salt of the earth. And in the modern usage of that phrase, you're, you're usually referring to someone who's, you know, just a humble, decent, honest, hardworking guy. A Jesus follower should be all of those things. Humble, honest, decent, hardworking. I'm here to tell you, 
if you're a Jesus follower and you ain't humble, honest, decent, and hardworking, man, talk to God about that. Because we need to set a good example, which we'll get to momentarily. Everybody who claims the name of Jesus should be that kind of salt of the earth. But that is not what Jesus meant when he said, you are the salt of the earth. I believe the context would show us that he had more in mind the idea of a, being a preservative in this world that is in a state of moral decay. That our influence would be like salt in the world. Slowing down that, the decomposition of values. And like salt bringing a positive flavor into a world that is often so very bitter. Christians often complain, and I've, I've been one of them, about how terrible society is getting. It's like, oh man, it's so bad out there. It's so bad. And, and how uh, the world is becoming more and more messed up. And there's so much decay in the world of truth and goodness and righteousness and holiness. But we seem to forget who the preservative is supposed to be. We're called to be the salt. If you're a Jesus follower, you have a calling to be an influence for God in your circle. To be the preservative, to be the flavor. So how, what's the best way to be an influence? Well, what influences you? Okay. Do you find it very influential when someone like yells at you? Now, there's different kinds of influence, you know. You might, uh, that might stop you from doing whatever it was again, but you're not going to come away from that with very positive understanding. We've got to do more than yell at people who are doing things wrong. I don't think that's what it means to be. That's a different kind of salty, y'all, okay? That's a totally different kind of salty. That's not the kind of salty, maybe, that we're supposed to be. So that's, I mean, like salty being a good influence, but, you know, setting an example. Those are the people that inspire you, right? That set an example, especially people who have been through a lot and it doesn't make them bitter. Those people are inspiring people. Let's be those kind of people. Um, it's, uh, we, we need to have kindness and compassion and obedience. Those are the kind of people, you know, that we need to be. One of the most influential things you can do is not just preach, but practice what you preach. Because the world loves to point out when Jesus' people don't practice what they preach. So don't give them ammo, okay? Practice what you preach. What was the second part of that line? I told you tribulation is transformation. Integrity is influence. Integrity. Your character is your credibility. If you want to influence your friends and neighbors for Christ... You're going to have to be a person of integrity and character. That is your saltiness in a positive way. If you want to influence the people around you, live out your faith in your actions and in your attitudes. And that second one is really big. Show compassion and kindness even when people don't deserve it. Because most of the time, they won't. Be open about your faith experience. Talk about what Jesus has done for you. Look, you, you don't have to like grab somebody and shake them and say, you better get, you about ready to get saved? Saved from you? <laughs> but just be real about it. Just be real. Say, hey, you know what? Man, let me tell you, God's done some amazing stuff in my life. And it'll come up. It'll come up. You, you don't have to get rough with people. It will come up. 
be humble, be hardworking, be grateful, be forgiving. Forgiveness is a huge one. Serve people, love people, stick up for people. Be a peacemaker in a world that loves to fight. Walk towards the messes. I love that phrase. That is hard to do, y'all. Be a person who walks toward the messes, not away. Speak the truth of God's Word into people's lives in a positive way. That's a powerful one. Don't underestimate that. If you have, if you have demonstrated some integrity and somebody knows that you're the real deal, when you start saying, hey, you know, here's, here's what the Bible says maybe about this, they're much more likely to listen than if you just, you know, if they don't see that in your life. It's weird working where I work. I work a regular job. I tell them at work that I, I work a regular job to support my preaching habit. That's my joke with them. They just, but everybody, it's, it's weird being at work and everybody knows you're a preacher because they're looking at you like, ooh, is he a preacher all the time or just on Sundays? So, but you know what? Sometimes people stop by and say, hey, please pray for me. Please pray for this. Because I, I hope I'm being the things that I'm supposed to be. Because I don't want to represent God's kingdom poorly. I don't want to represent y'all poorly. Because you, maybe, maybe you've not thought about this, but you're part of Recreate too. And when you go out in the world, you represent Recreate and the kingdom of God and, and represent us well, please. If you're a Jesus follower, those are just some of the ways that you can be the salt of the earth. If we want to have an influence on the world, we've got to have some integrity. We've got to live by the word that we want others to believe. I think part of the struggle, maybe part of our slipping influence in the world is that so many times church folks have tried to have influence without the integrity without the credibility of character. And Jesus addresses this. He says, if the salt loses its flavor, verse 50, how could it be made salty again? How can it be made salty again? How can you, how can you get its flavor again? You know, and, and we don't have... A, he doesn't answer the question. He just lets it hang there. Thanks, Jesus. Didn't give us the answer. But I think maybe we can understand here. That if salt loses its saltiness, it's very hard to get back. Jesus doesn't say it's impossible, but it might take a miracle. So here's just the reality. You and I, we've messed some stuff up through the years. We can look back in our past and maybe in our present, and we can see some times where we have not been very salty in the right way. Maybe we've been salty in the wrong way. And we have had people we would like to be an influence on for the Lord, but because we have messed up some stuff, maybe we don't feel like we have that opportunity anymore. Please understand this. The Lord is able to change that. He is able to rebuild that. If you look back in your past and you see you've really blown it, and you, maybe you have. I know I have in some serious ways sometimes. God is able to rebuild that. He's able to rebuild that. It will be hard. It will be painful. It might not be what it was before, but he's able. Understand, you can't change the past. Not a bit of it. But you can change the future. We underestimate that. Every single positive decision we make today makes tomorrow a little bit different. And you make enough of those. And life isn't what it was. 
Jesus shares one more big idea here. That last part, he says, have salt in yourselves and peace with one another. We got an idea now what salt means. Integrity, character, and if you have a life of integrity and character, you're going to seek peace with people. It's going to be hard, though, because some of these situations you need to seek peace on, you're right, and they're wrong, and that's the problem. I've noticed that for some folks, they're much more likely to forgive you for being wrong than they are to forgive you for being right. Mm. So there will be times when you are in the right but you're going to have to seek reconciliation anyway. You have to let go of pride, let go of hurts, let go of self, let go of the past, and choose forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. If there's any score to settle, let the Lord settle it. You better let the Lord handle it. Because if you handle it, I might be visiting you at River North. I don't want that. So let the Lord handle it. Okay? I don't... As much as I will 100% come see you in prison, but don't go, please. Let the Lord handle it. It's going to be okay. It's been a long time since I've been in school, and I just wonder if anybody can tell me, do they still talk about Nelson Mandela in school? Is that still a person in history that people talk about? Nelson Mandela. You know who that is? Just nod. Yeah, South Africa guy. Yeah. Nelson Mandela was like a big deal. When I was in middle school, elementary school, middle school, he was a very famous, famous guy in the news a lot because apartheid was coming to an end. Nelson Mandela was a revolutionary who fought against apartheid, which was a a deeply rooted system of segregation and discrimination in South Africa. And he went to jail for 27 years. And I remember being a pretty young kid, and, and there was like these movements to free Mandela. He faced very harsh conditions, forced labor, hard labor, cramped prison cell, but there in the midst of that tribulation, he, he found something. He found a greater purpose. He became an advocate for justice from behind bars. He became a symbol of resistance against this injustice. And when he was finally released from prison, he was a transformed person. He maintained his integrity throughout his stay And when he was set free, and this is the biggest thing, when he was set free, he forgave his captors. He became the example of reconciliation and forgiveness that played a huge role in ending this injustice of apartheid. Would he have chosen to be born into a society where he would suffer? Certainly not. Would he have chosen to go to prison for decades? No, I wouldn't. But that tribulation transformed him into one of the most influential leaders in recent history. Please do not doubt that the hard times you're going through are headed somewhere if you give them to God. Look, you might say, well, why is God doing this to me? God doesn't have to. Life will take care of that. God doesn't have to pick on you. Life will pick on you enough. Here's what God will do. Yes, you will be seasoned with fire. You will have it tough. And anyone telling you that life is going to be easy is trying to sell you something. Don't buy it. You will endure trials, whether you follow Jesus or not. But here's the difference. With Jesus, your trials teach you something. Your pain becomes your power to influence. 
your tribulation becomes your transformation. So look, I, I, I can only guess what some of y'all are carrying in here today. Some of you I know pretty well, and I know a little bit more what you're struggling with. Some of you I don't know. And every one of you, I cannot guess some of the burdens that you carry. I wish I could tell you that it's going to get easier tomorrow, but it might not. I can't promise you that. Here's what I can promise you. That Jesus can redeem your pain. He can redeem your struggle. He can redeem your, your suffering. Even suffering. He can redeem these things. Give Him your trials. Give Him your struggles. Give Him your pain, your suffering, your tribulation. And watch what He can do with it. He will use it in your life to grow you in your faith, to mature you, to make you a stronger person, to make you a person of greater influence in this world. Tribulation is transformation. Integrity is your influence. And that is truth. So what's the story with you today? What do you need to give to God? What are you going through? What is your struggle? What is your trial? What is your tribulation that needs to go to Him today? Let's do it right now. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, give us the understanding to know what we need to give to you. We may not even see it today, Lord. Lord, look in my heart and show me what it is I need to surrender to you. And Lord, I surrender it to you in Jesus' name. I trust that you will use it to grow me, to make me stronger, to make me more of an influence on people for you. God, I pray that for every single person receiving this message today, that they would lift their tribulations and their struggles and their doubts and their fears and their pains to you and that you would work through them in mighty ways and that you'd give them opportunities to be a witness for you because of how you have brought them through these trials. God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So glad you braved the flea market traffic today. So we're going to get out of here a little tiny bit early. You're welcome. That usually won't happen. So don't get too used to it. But you got it today. God bless you. Remember baptism next Sunday. Um, shooting for movie night the 15th. And uh, remember your pinto beans and your peanut butter and, and uh, Operation Christmas Child stuff. I think that's everything. God bless y'all. Take care. Be careful on the road.